if you're thinking, well, he's not the advertised preacher. I'm sorry to disappoint you, Hazel. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, there's, there's three JCs here this morning. The first one is Jesus Christ. The second one is our speaker, John Coyne. He signed his emails, JC, so I have to check sometimes, see whether he's being prophetic or, or not. Uh, and then I, I, I'll come a, a distance third, I know. But um, so Luke 5, 1 to 11. Jesus calls his first disciples. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signalled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid, from now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. I'd like to invite... Our visiting speaker up now, John Coyne. John is the vicar at Aldridge Parish Church. Uh, when he starts speaking, you'll know that he's not from around these parts. But uh, we believe that God sent him to us for, th for this time. He's got a fantastic history. He told us once, you, you had tea with Yasser Arafat? Yep. So uh, just watch out. Um, but John, if we just pray for you now this morning. So, Lord, we thank you for John. We thank you for his life serving you uh, and, Lord, for sending him to Aldridge Parish. Lord, we thank you for his heart to want to connect Aldridge in with, with the, the wider borough of Warsaw and the towns and the churches in, in the town of Warsaw. Lord, we just thank you now that you've laid something on his heart to share with us today. And just pray that you'll anoint every word that flows from his mouth. Amen. Great. Well, thank you for your welcome. I just want to reassure you about something. I thought it was only Anglicans that were a bit sleepy. But you're just saying about people signing up late, my lot are really bad. <laughs> Perhaps not as bad as you, but really bad. And uh, so I won recently because we have every year on Maundy Thursday uh, a Passover stroke agape. And I said, look, we've got somebody cooking a great meal, but we've only got 100 seats. If you don't get in quick, you can't come. We got 93 by the end of the morning <laughs> service. So a little threat now and again, it works, you know what I mean, but great, have a great time when you go. And it is uh, a delight uh, to be here with you today. I'm probably not going to say anything you haven't heard before, but you know when somebody else says it, it kind of hits you home. And you've done nothing this morning that I'm not used to in my own worship, but boy, has God blessed me here among you this morning. And I, uh, as we were praying beforehand, uh, the scripture came to me that God inhabits the praises of his people. And because he does that, he moves amongst us as we genuinely praise him. 
So that's been uh, my experience of being amongst you. Now, I have a passion, a passion that has grown in me over recent years, and that passion is a longing to grow a church that is a disciple-making church. That is, is it dodgy, isn't it? It's very difficult for me to stand at a a lectern like this. I normally walk around when I'm preaching, so you might just have to watch me that I don't walk away from the mic. Anyway, my passion is to grow a church that is really focused on growing disciples, a a church that doesn't just want converts, but grows people from conversion through to maturity in Christ, who as part of that maturity participate regularly in the mission of God in bringing new disciples to know the Saviour. And for me, that is just normal. It is so biblical. It is so old-fashioned. But that said, it's not always our norm. Now, you see, we've got a very nostalgic picture on the screen, very old-fashioned picture. Somebody in my church didn't like this, but it kind of represents, when I showed this to them in another series, the notion of um, the fact that we're really catching up with something that Jesus always asked his church to be, namely a disciple making church and we are disciples who learn on the job if you play golf have we got any golfers here one two ah that's too trouble you see yeah it is an anointing i admit but there you go okay um so learning on the job if you're a golfer you can't learn everything you need to learn either in a classroom off a dvd or even off the coach You have to get out there and have a go. It's the same if you're on a climber. It's all very well being taught about potholes and the right equipment. We actually have to get out there and do the scary bit of getting on the climbing wall. And at different stages of life, we learn differently. And at every stage of life, we have our preferred ways of learning. And in the case of Jesus, he always opted to help his disciples to learn in particular ways. And that particular way was that he passed on a big role to them and said, go and make disciples. I've made disciples of you. Now you go and do it for others. And that is not for ministers or elders or pastoral workers. It is for the whole church. I love it the way today people have said, church, because we are a body. And I'm speaking of a ministry that belongs to everyone, even the newest in faith. And Jesus' way of learning was much more of an apprenticeship than a school. It was much more, not a classroom experience, but about on-the-job learning through doing ministry. So as we think about our church's task of making disciples, I want to suggest that all churches, regardless of their tradition, need today a major change of approach. If we do not disciple people in the 21st century, the culture around us most definitely will. And I have to say the culture around us is a great discipler, but it's a discipler that takes us away from the Lord Jesus. Jesus spent time observing his followers and friends. He knew them inside out. He knew their strengths and their weaknesses. So as such, 
church, though he didn't talk about church, he talked about the kingdom, was about re being relational. Relational enough that another can observe our life and our actions and then help us to be remodeled on the Lord Jesus. Jesus taught discipleship along the way. Rather than classrooms, books and exercises, he used birds and lilies and farms as his everyday illustrations of what life is all about. Discipleship was a natural outgrowth of being together with the intention of growing and serving. Now I'm in a great church here, so you know all that. You know every bit of it. But actually what I'm talking about today is not knowing it but doing it. And that's the essence. You know, we get to the point in our Christian journey where, frankly, we don't hear much that's new, even under a prophetic ministry. It's just God calling back to what he asked of us in the first place. Jesus put his students into difficult situations. He constantly challenged them to lead beyond their comfort zone. And so I ask you this morning, the Lord is a Lord of grace and mercy and kindness. But out of that, he calls us sometimes into a challenging place. Are you open for that? Are you willing for that? Jesus did not give his students, his disciples, his friends, a kind of template to follow. He gave them a mission to complete. He didn't, in effect, give them a map. He gave them a compass. And to be a spirit-led people means that very thing. We have to be prepared to go and venture with God beyond the comfort, beyond what we know, into something new. Jesus treated each disciple as an individual who belonged with others. He confronted Peter. He loved John. He challenged Thomas. And in his final words on the beach in John 21, he told Peter that everyone had their own path to discipleship to follow. He spent three years discipling this crowd. And I just want you to imagine, if you read the Gospels for real, they're full of dunderheads. They're full of people who, in spite of the fact they walked and lived in the company of the Lord Jesus, they didn't get it. And then, after he'd gone and ascended into heaven, and Pentecost came, sorted. Absolutely sorted. Do you know why we've got a New Testament? Because it's full of letters by the Apostle Paul and others to sort out messy church. To sort out the fact that sometimes, even though we know it, we don't get it. And that's not to rebuke you today. That's just to say that's church. And we keep ne needing to learn the ways of the kingdom and how they speak to us. So then, that brings us to the heart of our Bible reading today, Luke 5, 1 to 11. And as we look at these scriptures, I want to offer you five shifts and movements of mindset. I want to tell you straight off that these are not original thoughts to me. I've played around with them for years. I try to build them into my own life and trying to see how they work in the life of our church and our parish. But I got them through a book called Disciple Shift, and it was the experience of Willow Creek Church, a very big church on the other side of the pond that all of a sudden discovered that even though it was the most creative, lively of churches, it was not good at making disciples. 
it was a shock to its system. And as a consequence, this is part of the outworking that they and other churches, both over there and here, are beginning to rediscover. So then, there are five different points. Let's see if we can... Yep. The five points are that we need to be disciples on the job who are not just about reaching, but about making disciples. From not only informing God's people, but equipping them. From moving from programs to purpose, from activities. And are you a busy church, by the way? Are you quite a busy church? My church is incredibly busy. And I sometimes think God says, you know, I'm just going to have a bit of time out here. Because we just keep on going and bringing new stuff on. One of my wardens and I, we had a meeting with our pastoral team recently. And by the end of the meeting, we were exhausted. Within half an hour, they'd come up with about 10 new ideas of stuff we could do. And we just said, hang on a minute. Sometimes we just need to move, not from programs, but from a purpose that has listened to God and sure that if authorities have passed their best, we lay them down and move to a new place. And lastly, from activity to relationship and from accumulating, from accumulating people in a big congregation to deploying. There are four churches in my parish, and for 22 months I led the smallest. It's about 100 members, and I loved it. I had to be careful when I went back to the parish church that I didn't tell them how much I loved it, because the parish church is so much bigger. And the issue was that it was so much more relational. If you could get through the door at Tynan's Church without a kiss and a hug, you're really doing well. They're just such a warm fellowship because relationship is key to the way they do church and how they grow. So there's those five points. And what I just want to show you is show you from these points how in this passage Jesus coached his disciples. And to begin, you see that Jesus shared his life with them. And again... I want to be a Christian who at this stage of my journey walks in company with others. I go to the net uh, partly because I meet men and women there who just bless me and encourage me, and I hope it works the other way too. I go because I want to be sharpened by other followers of Jesus who are wrestling with real everyday issues of following Jesus in a world that is lost, in a word that he came to save. So then learning on the job, from reaching to making. In this instance, it was three guys called Simon, later Peter, James and John, and at the point that we joined them here, they probably met Jesus previously, and he was now building a relationship with them. He went to their territory, it says in this passage of Scripture, Lake Gennesaret, the Sea of Galilee, where a crowd was gathering. You see it in verse 1. And Jesus focused on the workers, then he observed their daily life. They were mending their nets, verse 2. And then he got into their boat. He lived in their situation, verse 3. And with surprising immediacy, Jesus engaged them in his task of ministry. They didn't have to sign up and go through a course in order to be disciples of Jesus. The Anglican Church has got plenty of little things and hoops you have to jump through. And if you want a collie, you've got to jump through a dozen more hoops. All our churches have their own ways of guiding people and shaping church. Jesus was a lot more messy than we are, folks. He would give, take risks over people and release people into ministry that, to be honest, we think, a bit dodgy, that, not sure. 
rapidly Jesus moved on from sharing the good news of the kingdom with these very raw disciples to getting them to share in his work. So I wonder, I don't want you to put your hand up, but if you're a new Christian, someone who's known the Lord Jesus for only a year or less, are you yet in ministry? Has the disciple-making program that you've been put on been such that straight away you've not only been nurtured, you've been commissioned? And those of you who are being baptised, we've got one, we could do with a few more, one and a few more, that is your ordination. When you know the Lord Jesus and you're baptised in his name, that is your public commissioning. Not only that you're saved, but that you're called as a disciple who makes disciples, who in turn will help others to make disciples. So getting to know folk, getting alongside folk in his church is great, but it's only the start in disciple making. Inviting folk to a camp or an alpha course or whatever you do here as your way of nurture is a brilliant idea, but it's just the first step in getting people on the journey. And I think I lead a church, I think I lead a church which has been very strong on getting people to make a decision for Jesus Christ. We've got a strong tradition of that in my parish. That decision is just a beginning step. The life of the Spirit as you would understand it is the ongoing through to maturity. And when you've been filled with the Spirit once, guess what? You have to be filled with the Spirit again. It's an ongoing way of life and it's a disciple-making journey. So I want to say this, a remarkably new Christian can become more of a disciple than someone sat in a church for years. I was converted in March 1972. By the autumn, I believe God called me to be an ordained minister. I had had a Christian background, but not a Christian home. I came to faith, and within less than a year, God had set me on a path that has shaped my whole life. You really can make significant steps for the Lord in the very first years of your life. And also, folks, in the very last years of your life. So remember then the shift from reaching to making. And the next shift is in learning how to make or grow disciples to move away from passing on facts and theories to living out God's way amongst those we love. I can remember at college studying the doctrine of God and I found out words about studying the doctrine of God that blew my head off. And for a while it was boring. And one day in a theology class studying the doctrine of God, I just wanted to lie prostrate on the ground. Because what I knew all of a sudden became a heart knowledge and a life-transforming way. This was the awesome God, the creator of the earth. The God who has redeemed me in Jesus Christ. I knew it, but I didn't really know it. And literally I wanted to lie prostrate as a worshipper in a theology college. And that takes some doing, trust me. Shift two involves moving just from teaching to modelling and from informing to equipping. And so what I want to say is the life we live together in God's family is itself a disciple-making process. Not only is it true that the world who doesn't read the Bible sees God's work in you, and I've 
moves toward or moves away. But actually as Christians, the way you live together right now in this season of your church's life is so critical for how the person next to you moves on as a follower of Jesus. There is no such thing as Lone Ranger Christians. We are a body, we're a family, and we know all that. But actually, the guy or the woman sat next to you today is your partner in growing as a disciple of Jesus. Will you bless one another in that way? We're all in this together. And we see this in our Bible reading in verses 4 to 6, where Jesus not only told Simon what to do, he was alongside him. He showed him the difference that a life open to God can make. Put out into the deep, he said. And then as Jesus the carpenter asked Peter to exercise trust, Jesus himself was engaged in risk. And the outcome was eventually a whopping catch. I'm going to read those verses for you. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. If others are going to grow as disciples of Jesus alongside you and amongst those who are not yet saved, they must see the kingdom of God working out in your midst. And in your life. Being a Christian is not about saying words and going on courses, Christian camps and the like, but living out the life that Jesus calls you to. For some of you that's a mum, for some of you it might mean life in a residential care home, for some of you it will be a social worker, a teacher, a factory worker or whatever. But living out the life of a disciple in the everyday is what comes out of when we gather here how we express our life in him when we're dispersed week by week. And that brings us to the next step. Up to now, Simon had met Jesus and listened to him. But now he acts on what Jesus said again, verse 6. They caught, uh, they caught when they followed Jesus' advice. It was when they and we ignore him that things start to unravel. This wasn't about reading a manual. It wasn't about some deep sea fishing stuff or all that. It involved acting participants I'm the kind of guy who likes to help God out I like to help him run his church you know I'd like to sort of suggest Jesus if you listen to me we'll be in a good place mate <laughs> and he's very gracious because he smiles at me and he says you carry on John when you're ready we'll walk together and it's when we listen to him and act out what he says that we start to motor I'm an activist so it's very hard for me to sit down for just a few minutes and say, okay, God, what is it? I want to be doing. And I'm having to learn at this season of life to be what some would say is a contemplative. To sit still long enough to listen to God so that he might infuse me more with his grace that I might more truly hear him. And then serve him more effectively. And if that's true of you, it might be true. If it's true of me, it might just be true of one or two of you as well. So who is helping you right now? Who is walking with you and helping you grow as a follower of Jesus? And who are you directly involved with in helping them grow too? 
Well, what happened next was mind-blowing and that it brings us to a shift, which I think is approach and shift too. I want to read verses 6 to 7. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Jesus entered this world of Simon Peter and his friends. And as they follow his lead, they were staggered at what they achieved under his guidance. Note what is happening here. Experienced knowledgeable fishermen translate knowing mature Christian had to almost unlearn what they knew and trust a carpenter who knew next to nothing about boats go over there and something new might happen what Jesus when Jesus told them what to do they either took notice and acted or they said to him look Jesus we know you're a bit special but we know about this stuff. Someone said to me recently, John, I've been praying for you. This guy lives in France now. I've been praying for you, and I don't know why. And I said, I think I know why. And he simply said this to me over something I was struggling with. He said, when you're surrounded by articulate and godly people, they sometimes confuse opinion with vision and God's call. Isn't that an interesting thing? I learned that from a man who knew very little about my circumstance. And he said, when you're surrounded by godly and mature people with energy behind them, they sometimes confuse opinion with God's call. And that's a challenge to every church. It's a challenge to me as a leader. It's a challenge to my own church. Whole churches can behave in the sense of we know what's okay, Jesus. They know the theory, but don't always live it out. They sing the words, but carry on as normal. Jesus had a plan and a purpose for the whole world. And church, we are integral to it. So by of application, let me put a question to you. And I want to put this to your heart and to your mind. Have you ever, as I have done, heard what Jesus expects of his followers and you've almost replied to him and said thank you Lord Jesus but I've got a different plan you've actually said to the Lord not in words but in the direction that we're going in in the condition of our heart I've heard you Lord Jesus but I've got a different plan And shift four is a crucial one in terms of making disciples. Disciples need to ensure that they have a balanced activity with relationship. We need to ensure that we don't just serve, but know the God that we serve. We need to serve together, but we need to love and know those whom we're serving with. And I think there's something about the life of any church, and I know too little about yours, to speak with great authority. But there is just sometimes that danger of getting out of balance 
Well, either we don't hear from God, but we act, or we're so busy that we lose sight of the fact that church is people, and we are people. And sometimes we get hurt in church because we've lost sight of the fact we're not running Shell UK, we're not running an institution, we're a body, and we need to face in the same direction. There needs to be a sensitivity in all churches to that fact. So every church will help those apprenticed to Jesus to a place where in the presence of Jesus they are transformed. Look at verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And in our worship this morning, I can't speak for you, but in our worship this morning, God showed me the condition of my own heart. He showed me something about myself that demonstrates how I have sometimes not fed off Jesus the living bread, but bread that is stale, bread that is not life-giving, and bread that is full of additives that are deeply destructive to the condition of my soul. And so Peter, this experienced fisherman, says, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Well, it says he was astonished at what Jesus knew and did. Do you notice how Simon and the others had just taken part in some amazing activity? Really exciting. And in a church like this, there are an amazing number of ministries going on all the time. We need people to be involved. We need you to turn up when we've got a bus laid on for you. We need you to support this fostering thing. Why? Because it's a great call of God upon his church. We need everyone here, not only to become a Christian, to become an engaged disciple of the Lord Jesus. Will you hear that for yourself today and face the living God and give him your answer? All of us need to become really, really engaged. And it's not about activism. It's about the direction and goal of our life. So in all our activity then, with all our plans, with all our great ideas, we need to make sure that we move from activity to relationship, nurturing our relationship with the Lord as well as with each other. Now to the last shift, from accumulating to deploying. I want to read verses 9 through to 11. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. So as we come to these last few verses, which illustrate how Jesus grew these disciples, note that he didn't notch up extra disciples or admirers, Peter, James, and John. He deployed them. He sent them out. He didn't count and evaluate the church, not that there was a church. He deployed them. He helped them to see God's call their life. Disciple making happens when leaders 
people like me and your leadership here shift their focus from drawing in masses of people to leading churches that send equipped followers into the world. Our scorecard must change from counting the numbers that turn up to counting the number of people deployed in the service of the kingdom of God. All of this, all five points, are of the essence of disciple-making. And sisters and brothers, I come amongst you this morning as somebody trying to bring out a passion in my own life and my own ministry. I bring it to you with a longing that all the churches in this area will find what it is to truly be kingdom people, growing people who, having been saved, become mature in Christ and who in turn lead others to the Saviour. Let's be still for a few moments. Spirit of God. Our longing is not simply to be Bible taught, but spirit taught. To hear your word so speaking into our lives in the power of the Holy Spirit that it's life-giving. So please strengthen in our minds those things that individually and collectively we need to remember from today and eradicate from our mind Anything I've said that is not truly honouring the Lord Jesus. Bring your kingdom, we pray. Come in power and lead us through maturity to the fullness of life which draws others to Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. God bless you.